Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action. Welcome to another week from wintry Wisconsin. Winter is back. And we are without Rebecca Lynch. Rebecca is with the Wisconsin Working Families Party, but she is going to be gone this week. Hopefully we'll have Rebecca back next week. We miss her when she's gone. But uh, Robert Craig, our Executive Director, is here with us. Robert, good to see you. Good day, everyone. So with Rebecca gone and gone just for just gone this just week. for this week, we're gonna worry, we're gonna folks. do a healthcare special this week because there is so much healthcare news that we have to talk about. We'll definitely hit on some other things that are happening here in the state related to the budget and uh, some conservative Republicans' efforts to blacklist um, uh, a, a very very good ally of ours. We'll get into it later. So we're gonna start by talking about. Medicare for All Act in 2019. That is its actual name. Very clear. Uh, it was introduced this week, Wednesday, in Washington, D.C. Over 100 co-sponsors uh, for Medicare for All. Um, and it is worth noting, um, our former organizer here, uh, Jennifer Epps Addison, was a, uh, a speaker uh, she now works for the Center, in Popular Demo- Center for Popular Democracy and has a very, very compelling healthcare story and told it yesterday. But uh, big day, Robert, uh, in D.C. for this. Um, this is the vision. This is really one of the core pieces to move towards an increasingly public system here that we're all for. So tell us a little bit more. Obviously, the naysayers right away. Uh, this can't pass. But tell, remind our listeners again why it's so important to have a Medicare for All Act out there. So and before I do that, Matt, there are other connections as well. This is an example of when actual progressives get uh, governing power. So Pramila Jayapal, yep. the sponsor in the House, Congresswoman from Seattle, uh, not only is she the former executive director of another People's Action affiliate, the network that Citizen Action of Wisconsin is in, so similar, she comes from our background, but we even interviewed her for a half hour on Battleground Wisconsin a year and a half ago, two almost two years ago now, at the People's Action we'll put a National link to Convention. That. We'll put a link yeah. to that in our web, so you can go back and hear what she had to say 18 months ago. But yeah, Robert's already in So, and she's someone who was hanging out at the People's yep. Action Convention. So this is not one of your blow-dried politicians. This is someone who comes out of a social movement. And her, her big issue was immigrant rights. Yep. She re- I mean, she, she was major leader on immigration rights. And so you have all of those connections. And here's why this matters. We never get to health care as a right unless we have a clear, compelling vision of getting there and measure all of the things we do as steps towards that. And so across issues, Matt, we talk about why does child poverty keep going up? Why do, why does, why do we continue to have tremendous education disparities where what zip code you're, you, you live in live in a rural area, if you're African-American, you don't get nearly as good a school, even though your kids probably need better schools because they have other disadvantages. They don't all start at the, at the zero-yard line on the uh, football field together, uh, unless, of course, in right-wing radio they do, but not in the real world. And so this is why this is absolutely critical. Yes, it's not going to pass right now with Trump as president, 
with the Democrats being partly progressive but partly conflicted in the House. Even in the House, it's probably not going to pass. With Senator Mitch McConnell as Senate leader and with the filibuster still being in effect for everything other than judicial appointees and Supreme Court appointees, as we know a deal Harry Reid probably shouldn't have made when he was Senate Majority Leader. And so you ha this is about signing on the dotted line and saying that we need to get to this vision. And quite frankly, there's going to be a lot of debate about details. The Canadian system is not the only effective universal system. So it's based on the Canadian model, which Medicare is also based on, right, with a single payer. But there's a German model, there's a Swiss model, there's a British model, uh, Taiwanese model, Japanese model. The point being that we need to get towards universal health care, and this is the one, this is the model there's the most consensus behind. And so if we'd ever say this, then all we're going to do is pass piecemeal reforms, and we're never even going to notice whether it actually achieved the goal or not. We'll be here in 40 years, assuming the climate doesn't uh, cause such a disruption that quickly, that, uh, though it may, may well, uh, and we will, we will be no better off than before, but there'll be a ton of profit in the system. The other thing is this goes after the profit in the system, and the profit-taking is Wall Street values right now, and it's outrageous, and we have to have something on the table clear about profit and health care that denies people access to a fundamental human right is unethical and can't be allowed. Yeah, and just to clarify um, for our listeners, Robert, I'm glad that you brought up there's lots of different uh, systems that w could meet this. Um, this isn't just going to be a, the current Medicare system for all, right? Uh, this is definitely fixes a lot of the current problems that exist in Medicare. We want to thank one of our listener, one of our uh, members this weekend who pointed that out. Um, that there are issues for people who are on Medicare, and this system really does go to address those. Um, what I think is important, too, in addition to what Robert was mentioning about the movement behind it, is elections matter, right? And Bernie Sanders really made this an issue. It has definitely changed the dynamic. It explains why you have 100 co-sponsors. It explains why you have four current folks running for office actually supporting uh, this bill that includes you mean for president right? for president excuse me yes for president Cory Booker Kristen uh, Kristen Gillibrand uh, Camilla Harris and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Bernie so well five. right so you got five right so that that's impressive right so while Robert mentioned you know we don't have all the support in the House for this there's still some splits um, this is progress and it guarantees that this is going to be a significant issue in the 2020 election, which is absolutely critical to like continuing to move the ball down the and field. And let me do a little punditry, and this is part of the byplay. We are talking to a lot of Democrats here in the state and nationally, uh, even members of Congress, about this issue. There are concerns about the workability of the bill, right? And so some, some are, are scared to sign on. There are some, the, the biggest concern that I think there's merit to is the workability of doing this in two years. And so even if we elect one of these presidents, uh, candidates for president, and they're actually committed to doing it, now making a campaign promise ain't the same thing as being willing to do it, right? Uh, but, um, and I, so I think there are some that you know would, would do it in some where I, they're signed on, but I'm not, I'm not at least I'm not positive all five would actually make this a priority in their first 100 days as president in 2021. But let's even say we have a president doing that. I just want to, people can write in with their comments on this. I'm just going to tell you, as someone studying healthcare opinion and, and, and uh, for, for 
for well over a decade, a decade and a half, and having an ba academic background in persuasion and communication studies, that you can't do it in two years. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't all, I would sign on to this bill if I was in the Congress. I'm just saying because we need the vision. The reason you can't do it in two years is because risk aversion is baked into the human mind. That's how we survived in an evolutionary way. You can't tell over 155 million people with their employer-based health care, we're suddenly putting you on a public system all at once and forcing you there, and it's happening right away, and not, not only have this huge public backlash, but have all the money of pharma, insurance companies, hospitals going because the hospitals you may think they're nice but they don't want to they don't want us to be able to have this negotiating power with them because they charge at least a third more than they should them and the and the major specialist groups and so they will put in money and so therefore what you have to do is you have to do it in huge chunks where more and more people go into a public system and you end up with a medicare for all but the only reason way we get a huge chunk where maybe we open up Medicare to everyone 50 and over, just for example, or cover all kids. Those would be huge steps, right? Or offer Medicare to all employers so you can replace private insurance with Medicare for, uh, for employer-based insurance is to have this vision and have this bill. So I am saying both that this bill is not going to happen in, in two years, but if we don't have this bill and we don't have max number of sponsors, we'll never get the huge steps towards Medicare for All that we need, and we'll never ultimately get there in a longer period, which is more like six, seven, eight years. So it would be a great promise for two terms of a progressive president to end at eight years with Medicare for All, in my opinion, and doing it in big timeline chunks. So... I think I think that all makes sense for the most part, and I think the biggest piece of that is the vision, because things can change. What today seems somewhat intractable can sometimes very quickly change. We it, and we never can exactly predict what issue that would be. We saw that with uh, with uh, LBGT rights in in the aughts, right? Just the the absolute swift movement, and but there's still work to be done. But massive movements that occurred. When, at, when only a few years ago it seemed intractable. Um, healthcare could be that. I think Robert rightly points out both, both what's stacked against it, the insurance companies, how they can spend, and just sort of the way not only the human mind operates, but the reality is most, most people are still in private systems. So the notion that that's all going to be thrown into chaos, it's hard to estimate exactly what that could be. But without a vision and without a push, we never get there. Um, people are evolving on this issue and feeling more comfortable, I think, with the concept. And so just, that is I helpful. couldn't agree more with, with what you just said, Matt. So as a gay man, you're absolutely right that, that gay marriage came faster than, than the, the, the most astute advocates uh, predicted. So that it, this could happen way quicker. Uh, there's a difference, though, between a technical civil right, often they're not fully enforced, and uh, literally restructuring 18% of the, of, the, of the economy all at once. And so, but it could happen, the, pr the progress could happen way quicker, but it will not be Medicare for all um, in two years. But that's okay. Everyone should be signing on to this vision. That's the only way we ever get anywhere near it and, and get to it. With that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. You're listening to Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We are without Rebecca Lynch this week, and so we're having a deep dive with Robert into healthcare. We spent the first 11 minutes talking about Medicare for All, which was uh, introduced this week. 
um, in Washington. And uh, so we want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the fight for health care here in the state. And because we're in a different position here in Wisconsin, we have a governor and a governor with a very strong veto. Um, there's we're, we're in a stronger governing position here in the state. So it's a it's a different it's a slightly different dynamic in that we could actually do something right away in the state budget. I think most of our listeners know that ex- accepting the federal money that's available for us to expand Badger Care seems like a layup, right? It seems like something we ought to do, but it's going to have a real fight. And so this week, we kicked off a big campaign to start to make a big push, both with the media, but also with real people on the ground organizing to support Governor Evers what will be his push to to accept the federal money in the state budget? So, Robert, tell our listeners a little more. We started this week with some uh, a media push in uh, uh, two important areas: the Green Bay Fox Fox Valley area and also Central Wisconsin in the Wausau area, which both contain a bunch of swing senators who are going to determine this result. So, and my nephew Delano was nice enough, nineteen year olds, to come along and assist, take pictures, etc. So it was a long day, but there's a lot of excitement out in the field. Uh, we had great groups of members turn out. We had a lot of media come out. It's uh, Health care is the top issue in the last election, and this is going to be at the centerpiece of the whole budget fight. So Tony Evers is officially announcing uh, ahead of his budget address on Thursday that Medicaid expansion, or what we call Badger Care expansion, will be in his budget, and then it will be a major part of his speech. We're recording this on Thursday, so you'll have already heard the speech when you hear battle, this issue of Battleground Wisconsin. But we already know, we've already got official call from the governor's office, etc. And so this is going to be the huge fight, because... Where the Republican leaders in this in in Wisconsin are kind of retrograde in the sense that they're still in the old paradigm of opposing everything in the Affordable Care Act and making that the defining um, element of what makes a good conservative or a good Republican, despite the public not being with them in the least. And so, Robin Voss apparently thinks this is the way to make him governor because he's because uh, insiders think he's the front runner for the can- uh, nomination for governor. Uh, in uh, 2022, uh, probably opposing Tony Evers going for a second term. And so this will cause a budget impasse, but the, we are going to, and we are already doing this, we're having, we had watch parties Thursday night all over the state to watch Tony Evers make this historic announcement. 11 this of is them. A, 11. So, yep. by the way, congratulations to all the people who helped organize those watch parties all around the state. Very, very important uh, and it's kind of organizing that is getting started that's going to help make this happen. And we see this as a step towards Medicare for All because it's an expansion of the public system, and you can see the pathway. You expand Badger Care by taking the, 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 the money on the table that only Wisconsin, the whole upper Midwest, and the Great Lakes area has turned down, and then you open up Badger Care as a public option, and on and on, right? You start regulating prescription drugs, which Tony Evers is also going to talk uh, talk about his budget address. You will have all heard it by now, by by the time you hear Battleground Wisconsin. So this is all part of the same fight that we're, that that it, that Medicare for All launched uh, this week with the introduction of the uh, of the Medicare for All bills. Before you go forward, I do want to preview um, something we're going to talk about later in the show. We'll have a whole segment on it, and that is uh, Robert mentioned why this is a major step towards Medicare for All. It's because it's increasing the public system. We're a little concerned 
that there could be an effort. Well, not there could is. be. There is. Let's. There is an effort by the hospitals. Let's be blunt. We'll call you out, the hospitals, uh, to try and not have this be an increasing public system. That they would like to see the expansion of Medicaid actually become a private expansion. We're going to talk more about that later. Why that's wrong. Uh, and why we need to be out there making sure that all the Democrats, that Governor Evers, do not kind of accept a private expansion, because that does not help us move to an increasingly public system. It would be a step backwards. We'll talk more about that later. So, Robert, okay, how do how do I how do I get involved? Right, like I'm a, I'm I'm listening to the show. I'm like hell yeah, it's about time. <laughs> accept this money i can't believe it's taken this long what do i do in the next six months like how best should i get involved in this fight since this this is it this is where we we can definitely make this happen right so polls don't govern active people do in other words the reason that trump care was blocked and we didn't have health care taken away for about for 30 million people even though this was the campaign promise of the republican party for eight years, promises, and they had full promises. control, right, of, of government. And an allegedly very powerful president, right, who, who allegedly gets things done, uh, didn't happen not because the polls were against it, but because of the number of people who mobilized and put pressure on the system. And we still, at this stage in our development as a country, it still affects the actions of members of Congress or legislators or state senators to receive a lot of contact and to see hear a lot of pushback if you're on the wrong side out in your district and in the field and everything. This changes their behavior, okay? And it may not be a public breach. It, it'll affect what happens privately within their caucuses where they start telling Senator Fitzgerald, the Senate Majority Leader, we can't do this. You got to do something. We got to make a deal. And so... We need people actively involved. The polling is off the charts, but that won't do it alone. It is the latest Marquette Law poll, 62% favor uh, Medicaid expansion, Badgicare expansion, 25% oppose. Across demographics, it's uh, independent supported by 30 points, which is astronomical. Uh, conservatives supported by 10 points. Rural voters, you think of them as very conservative, by 25 points. And uh, even Republicans, the group of people who consider themselves Republicans, support it by three points. The only group that opposes in the crosstabs of the Marquette Law Poll is very conservative voters. So imagine, you know, the 15 percent vanguard of the Trump uh, constituency and a third of them support it. So, listen, Robert mentioned this is very important. We are not likely to see... One of these senators put out a press release and have a big public statement that they're going to that they support accepting the Badgerker money. This is going to happen behind closed doors in caucus when they're fighting with each other over where the pressure is, where the pressure points are in the budget. This has got to be one of them. And so the question is, does Roger Roth in Appleton feel the pressure? Does does Jerry Petrowski in Wausau? feel the pressure does luther olson does the the ripon the lion of ripon the cowardly lion yeah does he roar did does he feel the pressure luther's someone who has in the past publicly i we can pull up the video it's a good three minute video of him basically saying what a what a terrible deal it was not to take the federal and money will the, luther the come? lion did <laughs> say he wouldn't vote for the lame duck bills until he did <laughs> until he did <laughs> so you know will will howard markelin 
Will he feel the pressure? That's a, you know, that that's that's a seat where this is the kind of issue that could make a difference. And then, of course, you know, if you're in the Stevens Point area, right, or if you're you've got Patrick Teston, he's he's up for election next next year. That used to be a Democratic seat. And if you're in the uh, Fond du Lac or Oshkosh area, right, Fayen, that seats up next cycle. So the question is, how well organized are you? Will you start tomorrow morning, get up, uh, Friday, I actually get up, go call your legislators and say, hey, I was listening to the speech last night. You need to support that in the budget. By the way, and if you have a Democrat, tell them you need to make sure that it's a pro- public expansion of, of, of Medicaid. It needs to be Badger Care. We'll talk more about this, that later this, this in the show, too. way easier than Congress, where they get thousands oh. and thousands of contacts. We had Setter Larson on a couple weeks ago in Battleground, Wisconsin, and he said that the average setter was getting 10 calls total yeah. on the tax package that went through. And so just call, email, um, when you see them, it's really effective if they're at the farm breakfast or they're over at the at at, at the uh, Kiwanis Club that they hear it wherever they go. By the way, Robert, you just revealed something very fascinating. It, um, it takes us back to a previous podcast that Senator Larson said they only received ten calls on their very very exciting middle class tax cut package. Yeah. If you recall, I think we talked about the fact that legislators ought not be disappointed if they don't get a lot of excitement about these two dueling things on the weekend that Green New Deal came out, right? Same thing with Medicare for All, right? Big news, this is firing people up, right? Um, we have to make the connect to Badger Care and why accepting the money is important. It's a step in that direction. That's our job as activists. So please get involved. Contact Karen Kirsch here at Citizen Action if you want to get involved. Um, we'll have her contact info on the site. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, Robert is going to do a deep dive into what our concern is about where a deal might potentially could be cut, and certainly where the Republicans and the Hospital Association and other folks who don't want to see us move towards a public system might try to cut, try to force Evers and the Democrats to accept. So we want to make sure that everyone understands why we can't, why it's bad policy. Uh, and also why it's bad politically, uh, and make sure that folks can get that message out to Democrats when you do those communications. So with that, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We are going to do a 10-minute segment here where we're going to talk Robert's going to take us through very clearly, and this is hopefully very useful for any progressive activist or state legislator to understand, or the governor's office, any policy people, why we cannot in this in budget negotiations accept taking federal Medicaid money, but then not increasing Badger Care, a public system, and creating a private system. Robert, this is something the hospital associations are doing. Start to lay out clearly why this is a really, really bad idea, first, in terms of covering people. So let me take a little bit of step back, Matt, with your permission. You have permission. So, thank you for the gentleman from River (laughs) West. Uh, So, I talked earlier on the Medicare for All segment about the problem being Wall Street values, where the whole system is structured to maximize revenue and profit 
not to maximize outcomes, not to, ma not to maximize the number of people who have good health care and live longer, happier, more fulfilling, freer lives. And so the, we know, based on the research, that the, the cost is the price is the problem. And the biggest price problem actually is not prescription drugs, though it's, it's more visible. It's not insurance. It's what hospitals charge, and it's what specialists charge. Uh, it's not what your family doctor charges, actually. That's my, way more reasonable, and they don't make nearly as much money as the specialists. We need more family doctors. Yes. Yeah. So they, it, the, the prices are at least a third more than they should be, and the insurance industry has no motive to, to, to rein it in because it just increases their cut. So when you can't afford your health care and have huge deductibles, surprise medical bills, co-pays, all of that, it's coming because of the price. So they have set themselves up as trade associations they are highly powerful that simply want to get as big a price as possible. And so they're pushing for a quote-unquote private expansion instead of an expansion of Badger Care because they get higher rates of insurance companies. So they're literally saying the opposite of the Medicare for All bills at the national level. They're saying we can't go along without the insurance companies and their, their profit, their cut, right? And the wonderful user-friendly way that they handle claims, right? And we <laughs> yeah. have to impose that on people below the poverty line and just above the poverty line who are just struggling to get ahead and need clear access to health care and have no capacity to freaking finagle and niggle with the insurance company about their their explanation of benefits uh, documents, this et cetera. Is a, this is a perfect point. Jen Epps talked about this yesterday on the Medicare for All, and this is how they're connected. She was basically saying, like, look, I come from privilege. Like, I actually have access to system. But her husband, who suffers from MS, she's like, his physical struggles with MS have don't even compare to the struggles every time they have to deal with the insurance industry over a minor change in his treatment. And just going through the haggling, the back and forth, this is, this is what you speak of, right? And that's where the profit gets. So there's down. only one state that does this right now. A number of states tried, New Hampshire, Iowa, Michigan, Indiana, and gave up on it. New Hampshire, it was disastrous, apparently. Uh, Arkansas has it, and no one else does. And the idea is that you you expand you you basically provide Medicaid through private insurance. So Badger Care in our state, so you don't it's not a public system; it's a private system. Okay, and the pro there are a couple big problems with it. So I'll, I'll get to the kind of the bigger state policy problems first, and then the problems for individuals. Right, you have to have a waiver for this from the Trump administration which takes a long time. So in fact, it won't be able to be implemented in the next two years. So we have the hospitals saying, and they're lobbying all over the place oh, for this, okay? They've, they've, they've brought up all their big high-priced lobbyists to lobby for this. Uh, so you will, so in other words, we'll have, so a bunch of people will have to do without healthcare another couple of years, and you know what? You know what the consequence of that is? People will die, okay? If you have more uninsured people at that level, people will die because the, because the hospitals are demanding we do this. In order to uh, in order to get themselves higher rates, uh, the next thing that happens is this: we have to negotiate with the Trump administration, which means they can put all sorts of other things in. They could put in work requirements, other things that actually drive people more people off coverage and get coverage. So why would we want? Is there any administration we'd rather not negotiate with, right. Matt, than the they Trump administration? They could possibly put stuff in that also causes legal issues that have to go be sued, all, all kinds of things. Number three. Drug testing is another yes, thing. Yes, drug might, testing. Yep, yep. Number three. Uh, in order to get one of these waivers, it has to be revenue neutral to the federal government. Well, 
uh, using private insurance is at least a third more expensive. Think about their profit and overhead and all of their, their waste, right? And so probably what has to happen for approval is that Wisconsin has to take all of the savings we would get and, gi and give it back for the higher rates through insurance and for the profits and the administrative revenue insurance companies. It'll probably cost us, according to the policy excerpts we're talking about to in Madison, not sure. The documents I'm looking at aren't public yet, so we'll give credit in a later Battleground Wisconsin, but I have, I have internal yet-to-be-released um, analysis. Um, literally, it is um, probably cost us $200 million in this budget to do it this way. And by the way, it's in the next budget because it will take too long. And then fourth, uh, it's not a step towards Medicare for all. In fact, it's the opposite direction we need right. to go. We cannot afford, can, we cannot get universal health care in this way because it's too damn expensive and because insurance companies actually want to deny coverage. Number five, it will raise rates for everyone else on private insurance. Why is that? The research, unlike that Koch brothers study that came out last week that we talked about in the last battleground, Wisconsin, that they put out right ahead of the budget to try to discredit Medicaid expansion, the junk science, unlike that, which wasn't real research, it's been very much debunked by real health policy analysts since our last show, the national research show it reduces premiums by 11% because it pulls a lot of people with health conditions out of the private insurance market and they're taken care of in Badger care. This will not have that effect, and so it will make private insurance 11% more expensive than it would be by doing a public Badger care expansion. So to state legislators who are listening to this, you may this may come to you, you may hear this as the Arkansas option or Arkansas. So when you hear that, that is essentially a private system. We cannot be moving towards an increasingly public system, Medicare for all. You can't be for that and then support privatizing the expansion. So this is a critical piece. We need to make sure that all... Uh, you know, all Democrats, anyone who cares about this issue uh, understands this and is very strong in debunking this and not supporting this. And if it ever comes up, being very clear about getting the facts, feel free to share this uh, uh, with folks. We'll also create uh, some documents, some written documents. But And uh, we will be doing promotion on yep. this and saying Badger Care expansion needs to be public, yep. right? That we want public options, not private options. And I think things to be aware of, the reason it's so hard to get to Medicare for All, though, the fact that we have over 100 sponsors in the House is great progress, right? And Bernie Sanders deserves a lot of credit for running on it whenever, when the Democrat session said, you can't run on that. It's impossible. And look how many more people are coming around. Uh, but the biggest price factor in the system is the hospitals and the specialist providers, okay? Provider groups, when you have a surprise medical bill, it's likely to become from your uh, anesthesiologist, they are deliberately pulling themselves out of health insurance networks so they can do surprise medical bills. That's an industry practice, a business practice. And this is this kind of practices are hospitals are now structured like Wall Street firms to capture profit centers and not to do things that don't that that don't make them money. And so you have a group of people here who are not as blamed as insurance and pharmaceutical companies, though that's beginning to change in the polling because people are beginning to see what's on there. Bills that they get from a well, hospital, they walk right? Into the atriums and see, right. And see the building and see just. But they are nonprofit. Costs. They get a ta they get, they're tax deductible. They don't pay official property taxes in most places, right? They built this huge empire. They structure themselves by being nonprofit, five hundred one c three. They're supposed to have a charitable mission, 
And no one, if it's about power, because no one who looks at their business practices would think they operate that way, and they think nothing. No one in healthcare in Wisconsin, when I've been in a meeting, has been surprised or said, how can the hospitals do that? They're supposed to be looking for patients. They just assume everyone, like, re like just reflexively, that of course they only want profit. They operate exactly like the prescription drug industry does, the cor big corporations, but they color themselves as a, with protective coloring of a charity. So this is really important because in most communities, hospitals are sometimes the largest, if not second largest employer. They do tons of, as Robert said, community and chari charity service that gives them a reputation that is very different currently than the insurance industry. And so this, and also, Robert's talked about this before, Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, really didn't go after this, right? We really went after the insurance industry. This is the next rail, and that's why it will be so difficult, but it is so important that we take this fight on. And this is going to require more of Democrats because... You know, in every town, there's a hospital, and those hospitals are very well connected. Many of them give money uh, to even Democrats, right? And so, oh, yes. right? So this is this is where some of the rubber's going to meet the road, and this is where we're going to see it in the budget on, will, will you make sure this is a public system, not a private system? Um, but long term, this fight on hospitals is, is a huge fight. And I just got to say personally... It's very satisfying as someone who started in the movement organizing uh, hospital workers and saw how difficult it is to take on hospitals and just how powerful they are in communities when they really set their sights on uh, leveraging their power. And so we just need to be prepared for that. I have not forgotten that, and I look forward to the fight. We're going to have to take a break here. Um, so we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit more health care, but then we've got a few other things in the budget uh, we need to talk about. You're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin, where Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin, where Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. There's a lot of news going on in state, and we're not going to be able to get into as much detail on some of these topics as we'd like. We will going forward as the budget moves through. There were some other major announcements this week about Evers that will be in the budget that is announced on Thursday, so all this stuff should be out by the time you listen. But he is going to include nonpartisan redistricting, which is huge. So many of our members around the state have been just hyper-involved in this issue, doing tremendous leadership, taking this esoteric issue that has been sort of the domain of political insiders for years and actually bringing it to the public in very simple, clear language, being very clear about why this is so important to a functioning democracy, fair maps. So shout out to all of the leaders in Citizen Action and outside of Citizen Action, such an Chat out other folks, people who've worked on this issue. Section is a co-op member. It's it's a big deal that this is put in. It keeps this issue alive. It keeps uh, people fired up, and it keeps us on the offense. It's an incredibly popular issue. Uh, people just do not believe that uh, politicians should be pick, picking their own voters. So shout out for that. We will talk more about that. Probably have uh, some of our um, member leaders on this issue on the sh on the show going forward as this moves forward in the budget. Uh, also. Robert, in-state tuition rates for all immigrants, regardless of their status, this is a huge issue. Um, I mean, you talk about opportunity and providing opportunity to people who, you know, here for no, you know, no fault of their own, right? They're just here. Actually, um, critical thing to do. 
Um, we'll talk more about this in the future, but this is um, something very important uh, to immigrants in this, and quite frankly, should be important to everyone if we really want to have a, a serious economy. We need to uh, allow uh, uh, all folks to that are working here, going to school here, to to be able to have access to our universities. Well, we need to put in the law, frankly, what what the community understanding already is. I mean, despite the right wing rhetoric, most people think that folks who are here being part of the community, working, living here a long time, their kids who were here, who were born here, or brought here, you know, yep. by their parents, are members of the community. <laughs> and to treat them as having fewer human rights, right, in this very negative sort of, they're taking things from us, is like the lowest kind of human nature. And it's encouraged by conservative ideology right now. And so these, we, in or, if we're going to live by the idea, quite frankly, that everyone is part of the human family, right, then, and, that, and that all humans have human rights, then how, we're denying a basic benefit to people who, I mean, you, anyone could have been born in, or brought to another country by their parents, right? And even in a lot of cases, when we're talking about the border incidents, people are following the law. There's a law that you can go to an international border and seek asylum. <coughs> but the right wants to call them lawbreakers and therefore somehow uh, humans who have secondary rights. Whenever you think about giving fewer rights to other people, that is the heart of oppression uh, historically. Well, shout out to Tony Evers for continuing to push this agenda. In addition, this week he also announced that he would be pulling... Our, uh, our our state reserve troops uh, back, national guard troops back from the border, which and that a, got national yeah, news. A lot is, of national people were were pleased and and said so to me. So important to be on the right side of that and pushing that issue forward. Um, also this week, Evers announced that he will have a freeze on vouchers and charter schools in his budget. This is huge. Um, we've talked before about the issue around charters and vouchers and increasing privatization, similar to the healthcare system. Uh, this is something that a lot of our listeners are familiar with because Wisconsin, Milwaukee in particular, but Wisconsin has been ground zero for the growth of privatization. We will have more guests on this. This is another issue in the state budget that we'll be super involved in tracking on the podcast as we go forward. Um, but this is a great move by uh, Governor Evers. So before we go, we need to spend a little bit of time talking about Something that may be going under the radar, and it shouldn't. It is appalling, um, and it has to do with the Republicans, particularly conservative Republicans. I'll say his name, Andre Jacques in particular, but a number of other really bottom-feeding Republicans who basically are trying to blackball Nicole Safar, who basically... She's up, she's up for being deputy of the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, an incredibly qualified, um, excuse me, assistant deputy secretary. Um, Nicole, in full transparency, has been very active in citizen action. I've gotten to know her, Robert has personally. She's one of the most honest, high integrity people I've ever met in the movement. Like, and it's, we are super fortunate that someone of her caliber is is willing to serve in this position. And the idea that somehow just because she was the lawyer for Planned Parenthood, that that somehow disqualifies her is absolutely wrong. Planned Parenthood is an amazing organization. And by the way, right, like even if you you make this about abortion, abortion's legal, okay, right? 
So there's nothing wrong. Nothing, nothing, nothing Not wrong. Legal. This is just straight up. It's a protected constitutional yeah. right, and these folks Ugh. claim to be constitutionalists. This is the, the moral, I put that in quotes, part of the conservative movement. But this is very much, remember the, the, the question in the 50s when you were brought before the House Un-American Affairs Committee and the other kind of real witch hunts, not the ones President Trump talks about because the, the Trump witch funds, hunts have found lots of witches, uh, pushing the metaphor. But the question was, are you now or have you ever been, right? In other words, if you have ever been, had any association with the Communist Party ever, gone to a meeting, then you are tainted and you're evil and you can't work in Hollywood, you can't work in government, you can't, you, your career is destroyed. So this is the kind of question they're asking. Are you now or have you ever been someone who worked for a women's health organization? Yeah, and, you know, come on. This And by the way, you know who's also involved in this is Dewey Strobel. He was one of the three folks we featured last week who basically have declared they want to block, you know, Badger Care expansion. And this these right-wingers, it's, it's, it is, it's just appalling. Um, and we just want to make sure folks know, if you get an opportunity to call in support of Nicole. Um, she's totally worth it. She will be a wonderful public servant. And we just need to stand up against this kind of garbage. This is this is really terrible And elections stuff. don't matter to them. The, 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 we just had a, a pro-choice, pro-woman's choice governor elected. And the, his cabinet secretary can't have an assistant deputy secretary who worked for Planned Parenthood. And by the way, has a sterling record, and anyone who's ever worked with Nicole likes and respects Nicole. Yeah, and Robert, they th this gets back to the fact they're just upset that like they know that Evers supports actually allowing Planned Parenthood to have access and be eligible for federal funds and do all the things that they need to be able to provide access to, uh, to women's health services notice, that are critical. Notice their conflicted, contradictory view of freedom. Right, uh, corporations they like can be free to. to any kind of exploitation. They don't want to restrict payday lenders, right? That's about the market and human freedom, right? But Planned Parenthood can't provide, go and provide women's health services to tens of millions of people. And by the way, Planned Parenthood is very popular. So it's very, the, the health services are very, there's a, a clear market for them. But in that case, we're shutting it down and anyone, any, any relation to it, they can't work in government ever. Think about that. Think about it. It's, it's a kind of attitude that is, uh, I want to say that it's dehumanizing in the sense that it's just mean and vindictive. And th there's an ideology on the right now, and you ought to listen to right-wing talk radio or John Hannity, that justifies and glorifies in this sort of vilification. And it's really problematic. Well, folks, this... This blackballing does underscore the reason they're so upset about it is there will be a fight over making sure that we increase access, uh, to, that Planned Parenthood gets access to federal funding. They need to get access to these resources back. And so uh, the right wing is very upset about that and unfortunately is trying to use that to blackball Nicole. It's, uh, it's just wrong. So, folks, uh, we're, we're going to continue to watch this issue and uh, Planned Parenthood's ability to access these federal resources. And there's a national law. There's a law. And they're just trying to take it out on Nicole, which is wrong. So we just wanted to make sure folks were aware of that. just going to say that. And then we have a whole lot of people on the religious right who are questionable view of morality. And these folks have come into the public sphere. If they want to stay, believe what they want in their own churches, that's fine. But they're imposing this on everyone else, and they're open to critique. 
I mean, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that, my goodness, I mean, the Michael Cohen testimony, uh, he, he's obviously a rogue. All the rogues seem to work for President Trump. But from a standpoint of the way experts judge witnesses, he was a highly credible witness. He was open. He did not try to uh, dissemble at all. And this is much more devastating than the John Dean testimony. We'll see how it goes. And the way the Republicans embarrassed themselves trying to attack him and just ignored everything he was saying was quite stunning and tells you the current development of the Republican Party in this country, which is at a scary level right now of disregard. And with that... We have to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes it happen. We look forward to having Rebecca Lynch back next week. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week at the Battleground Wisconsin. Bye.